Welcome to Talking Truth Season 9, Courage to Lead. My name is Dan Whitney. Um, I have many hats. I do voiceovers, comedy. A lot of people know me as Larry the Cable Guy. Tooth Fairy. Ferdinand the Great. That's a project coming out. Ooh. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Tooth Fairy too. You know, you know. Yeah, you didn't show my kids all the classics, last night. all the Oscar, all the Oscar nominated classics. <laughs> anyway, I'm joined by Nat Crawford, obviously to my right, and the ringleader of this whole mess, Brian Clark, mm-hmm. gets us in here, works us like a dog, pays nothing. Right. Keep going. <laughs> but they're doubling our pay every episode. Going before I come over there. <laughs> I love doing these. Hey, listen, I hope people are getting a lot out of this. I I love doing these because I love doing the Bible podcast. I love talking about the Bible. I love learning things. I get sometimes, I think, more out of it than everybody else does. I hope you guys listening at home are getting something out of it. Um, we are all three flawed individuals, and we are trying to be sanctified more and more every day. Hmm. And uh, I'm not a pastor like these two are, but I do love Jesus, and so I like doing this. And dadgummit, I'm going to keep doing it because I like it. And uh, this is titled, His Children Should Know Better. What we do here is Brian, as you know, a lot of people, this is, I don't have to rehash this, but I'm going to, Brian's going to read the lesson. Nat and I will chime in with our questions. Here's, here's the question. Have your kids ever gotten themselves into trouble and said to you, but my friends do it and they didn't get in trouble? That's when you say, I don't care what your friends did. You should know better. <laughs> well, in today's episode from 1 Samuel, we're going to see the same type of situation with our Heavenly Father, because God wants the best and expects the best from His children. And I think as you read this, Brian, we'll see that human nature has not changed ever since they found these Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh, wow. (laughs) All right. Let's watch for that. You know, it's not uncommon these days to witness children out of control in public places. Or or, or adults. Or Or adults. adults. (laughs) So what should I do when I see it? Well, pretty much nothing. Why? Well, because they're not my children. And so it is with God. He puts up with a lot from unbelievers because they aren't his children. They don't know him. But he expects better from his own children. That's what our story is all about on this episode. As you might remember from our last episode, the Philistines were brought to their knees for having stolen the Ark of the Covenant. God's wrath over this incident had brought them seven long months of misery, the result of which caused them to confess that the God of the Hebrews was the one true God. In other words, the Hebrew God wins. However, what are they supposed to do with the Ark? They determined they not only needed to return the ark to Israel, but also include some sort of guilt offering to gain God's forgiveness. Now, this is a very interesting twist in the story. Israel had Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were supposed to be the priests in the tabernacle. But they despised the offering of the Lord, while the pagan Philistines were sincerely desiring to honor God with a true guilt offering 
I mean, it's all backwards. So the Philistines decided to include gold with the ark as a sin offering. There are several references in the text to the Egyptians and what they endured because of the Pharaoh's stubborn refusal to acknowledge that the Hebrew God was the one true God. The Philistines strongly encouraged their leaders not to make the same mistake. The guilt offering needed to be extravagant. While the whole book of 1 and 2 Samuel is about leadership, these early chapters remind the reader the one essential leader in Israel was God himself. The human leaders only succeeded in Israel because they obeyed the ultimate leader over them. God is the primary leader in every story in 1 Samuel. The Philistines make a new cart to carry the ark, one that has never been used before. The gold was loaded beside the ark with two cows to pull it. The Philistines devised one final test to make sure the tumors and the misery were from God and not merely a coincidence with the ark. So they took the calves away from the cows and they penned them up. If the cows returned to the calves, then the tumors and misery were merely a coincidence and they'd keep the ark. But if the cows, contrary to nature, left their calves and traveled on in the direction of the border town of Beth Shemesh, they would know God was delivering the ark back to Israel. But there's also a more subtle message to the story. The Hebrew word translated calves also means sons. As these cows left their calves to deliver the ark back to Israel, so another mother would leave her son with God to deliver the people from their rebellion. The cows picture Hannah leaving Samuel at the tabernacle, which foreshadows the story to come. All is not lost in Israel. God has been up to something now for years. When the ark reached Beth Shemesh, the Israelites were shocked to see it returned without a Philistine in sight. Sadly, the Hebrew people of Beth Shemesh had such a low view of the holiness of God they immediately touched the ark and opened it up to look inside. Wow, what a far cry from the days when the ark rested in the Holy of Holies, which only the high priest could enter once a year. Touching and opening the ark was strictly prohibited by Mosaic law. But God wasn't going to put up with this anymore. He immediately struck the offenders dead which sent a strong message that things were about to change. God put up with a lot of things from the Philistines simply because they didn't know any better. God knew they were trying to do the right thing by sending the ark back, but his children knew better. They had no excuses other than they were far from God and trivialized the holiness of God. So God sent a serious wake-up call to them. Because the Philistines had destroyed Shiloh and Eli was dead, the ark would be carefully stored in the town of Kiriath-Jerim until David would eventually move it to Jerusalem during his reign as king. Did Israel learn their lesson? Hmm, we'll find out in the next episode. But as we wrap this up, it's important to understand 
that even today God allows pagans and unbelievers to temporarily get away with stuff he really won't tolerate from his children. Not because God wants to be hard on his children or to punish us, but because he loves us. Like a good parent, he wants us to learn to obey, to find the life that our soul longs for. Right now, his eye is on his children. One day, he will turn his attention to those who fight him and reject him. But for now, his focus is on his children and what is best for them. Now, before we bring in Dan and Nat to talk more about this, I want you to know that today's episode is sponsored by Go Tandem, your spiritual fitness app. Download Go Tandem today. That's Go T A N D E M and get spiritually fit. Guys, if I view this story through the lens of my commitment to my own kids and my tolerating the behavior of other kids, it all makes sense, doesn't it? Oh my goodness, yes. In fact, I can't wait to share this episode with my kids because I had this conversation recently (laughs) and they did not enjoy it. Oh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Just make a note, that's how I make a lot of decisions at the house. How's that? I hook two cows up to a wagon. <laughs> that and explains all those cows. See where they go. If the wagon leaves, <laughs> uh-huh. God doesn't want me to do it. Yeah. <gasps> Can I borrow some cows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is really helpful. I mean, I've read this story, I don't know how many times, but putting it through this lens, I think really um, helps me understand why God does discipline his children and why he puts up with a lot from the world around us. Yeah. I mean, I go to the, well, I don't really go to the mall. I go somewhere, (laughs) a restaurant, and and there's children out of control. But they're not my kids. But I'm going to respond differently to my kids because I love them and I want to help them. And so it is with God. Hmm. Well, I don't, man, I I mean, this whole thing is pretty much self-explanatory. I thought that was... That said it all too. God doesn't. Uh, God's a little more lenient. So with, when they're not his kids. So know? the whole world is not God's child. They're not his children, right? Is that essentially what you're saying? Right. Which I think really goes against most people's understanding of God. Right. And of the people around us. Right. We are the world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is very different, mm-hmm. and and I think it's really helpful for us as we think about the people uh, in our very lives. And guess what? Unless they come to a saving relationship through Jesus Christ, they're not on the right path. They're not God's spiritual children. They are on a trajectory towards destruction. But because we care about them, we do have the obligation, though, to share with them the opportunity to have God as their father, right? I mean, we're not supposed to be just unaware or unconcerned with their salvation, right? Right. So the Bible's really clear that because of sin, and we're all sinners, that sin separates us from God. So people are called like the enemies of God. They're estranged from God, strangers from God. Sons of disobedience. Yeah, pretty strong language. Yeah. Uh, But God's salvation is offered freely to anyone. Hmm. And God offers us the opportunity to be his children now and forever. 
simply as a gift of his grace. It's, it's, uh, it's the most inclusive offer possible. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, when you're talking about your kids, you just raise them the right way, and you, and you just hope that they want the same thing that you tell them about. They, you, they have to see, they see it in you. They see, you know, you can't, you can't talk, tell them about uh, these things and then live a completely opposite way because mm-hmm. um, they're never going to want, want that. So you have to, you know, you have to show your kids and teach your kids and hopefully through prayer they accept Christ as their Savior and then they're also one of his children. Mm-hmm. So so one of the things I think is interesting is if we go back to like Exodus let's say, and the building of the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant and the glory of God filling the Holy of Holies and only the high priest allowed in there and only one time a year. You just have all that awe and wonder at the presence of God. And you think how much has changed when the Ark of the Covenant comes to this town Hmm. and they open it and peek in it and look in it, and God strikes him dead. He's like, I, I just won't be treated that way hmm. anymore. But how far the nation had drifted away from God from that recognition of his holiness to people right. seemingly not even caring. Well, that's what we talked about last week. You got to stay engaged or you have a slow fade away. That's what happened to them. They were just so far away from God. They'd forgotten everything they were taught, everything they were told. So if if you were to identify ways that Christians today seem to downplay the holiness of God and essentially do the same thing, what would be some of the ways we see that today? Man, I think we see it in so many ways. I mean... Name one. Well... <laughs> I mean, that's really hard. No, but... It, okay, so... As Christians, I'll, I'll say as Christians, I think we walk in this tension of viewing God as gracious and merciful and loving, right? And because we got our salvation freely by grace, it's not about our performance or our works. And so in that we can downplay the severity of sin, right? So take, take your flavor, whether it's abusing alcohol, greed, erupting in anger. I mean, you name the variety of ways, but it all flows from a misunderstanding of the totality of God's nature and character. God is merciful. He is gracious, but he's also God. He's our heavenly father, but he is also God who cares about right and wrong. So when we downplay sin of any kind, I think we're doing exactly that. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't, but you, here's the thing with that. I, I get it, but you sin every day. Sometimes you don't even know you're sinning. So it's like, I mean, how do you, I mean, you can't, I guess what I'm getting at is it's not, not that I don't believe God is all-powerful and I'm scared to do this because I don't want to offend God because but you offend him every day. That's why Jesus died on the cross because you can't possibly not go through life, not sinning. Hmm. Um, so it's, uh, I think when you're asking that question, I think it's like, 
if if you say that you're a Christian and you love Jesus and say you are an alcoholic and you've you're I'm not doing that anymore I love Jesus and then one night man you just uh, I got to have a drink you know what I mean if you really th- I don't know you would think if uh you really understood how what you did to God and how powerful he is and what you promised you wouldn't do and then you just go back on your promise like it's no little deal I mean, I don't know I I don't know what I'm trying to say you know it it, it seems like in our culture what like in our Christian culture one of the big conversation stoppers is basically we're all sinners right or all sins the same mm-hmm. you know one sins the same as another so it's said often with a way to justify all sin is the same, we're all sinners, therefore it's like, uh, if you finish the sentence, therefore it's really not a big deal. Right. Right. Which I think does go to this idea of minimizing sin. So back back to what you said, Dan, I, I, do, I do think we all mess up every day. Right. We all sin every day. Right. But I can't do anything about the sins I'm not even aware of. Right. So I think as I get closer to Jesus, the light shines more and more in the corners. Right. And I see the cockroaches and I have to deal with them. But what do I do with the areas of my life where God's light is shining in and he is convicting me of sin in my life? At that point, I shouldn't just say, ah, it's not that big a deal. We're all sinners. No, that's a big... That's where I need to confess it and repent of it absolutely and i think that's we i think we do live in a culture where we're just minimizing sin everything's okay and don't worry about it jesus is okay with well that. i think if you're really saved and you're really christian to me if you're if you're getting convicted about something you can't even sleep at night and it yeah. bothers the heck out of you yeah then you better stop yeah mm. and if you're not convicted about an obvious sin that's even a bigger concern if you're say it again. If you're not convicted about an obvious Absolutely. sin, that's even a bigger concern. It's like, why does that not convict you? Right. Well, because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Right. Unless he doesn't, unless you haven't truly trusted Christ as Savior. I mean, it, okay. at some point, it's like, if I can sin as a way of life, and that doesn't bother me, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I have a pretty big problem. Well, right. I think so much of this... Mm-hmm. I mean, one, on one hand, we do have to recognize the holiness of God. And as we talked about earlier, I mean, God is God. And that's, we must never lose sight of that and, and move him down, you know, to a lower rung. But do you think so much of this comes back to motivation and understanding the love of God for us? You know, in an earlier episode, we talked about you don't treat your wife, Patty, a certain way just because you signed a document, but it's because you love her and are grateful to her, for her love for you. That's part of the reason why I think Christians maybe downplay sin is because they forget the high cost of God's love for us, and we want to follow him, address those sin areas, not out of obligation, but because of gratitude and because of the the love we have for him. I mean, I think that's been a game changer in my own life. I don't do it out of obligation alone, which I should, but really it's because, man, God loved me that much to pay for my sin, to send his son to die on a cross. I should take it just as seriously because of my gratitude to him. Yeah, we started talking about the God and his children and 
seeing the correlation between me as a parent and my children. Mm-hmm. One of the things I tried to do very intentionally is to build the love relationship and a respect relationship with my children to where they would obey because they love me and respect me, not because they're afraid of me or not because of some ultimatum or punishment. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's how we that's how we follow God is because God's way is best and God loves us and we want to walk pleasing to him. I, I mean, I would say for all three of us, we have a passion for righteousness. That's how we want to live. Mm-hmm. We mess up and we sin, we all do, but that's not what we want. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not trying to sneak around or, or find escape clauses. We're actually trying to walk pleasing to God. I'll be honest, I like it when I'm doing something that I don't know if I, when I start getting convicted about something, that means I'm on the right course. That means God's talking to me. It's like when I do my jokes and stuff. I mean, there's jokes that I would never think about doing now that I did back in the day. It's like, there's no way, Mm -hmm. you know, and like. I've never done this before, but I'll write a joke that will be really funny, and then I'll think about it. And I got that little, uh, probably not a good one. Probably shouldn't do that one, you know. You're, mm-hmm. And I've never had that happen to me before. I literally don't do certain jokes that I think are really funny because I got convicted about it. I like that. That yeah. means I'm on the right path. That Absolutely. means I'm yeah. staying engaged. Yep. That means God's mm-hmm. working with me. And then, uh, and I'm sure two years down the line, there'll be stuff I look back on and go, man, I can't believe I did that joke. Well, you know, now I'm convicted about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a yeah. gradual process. Yeah, growth. Huh. And, that, and that's why I always, when, when people are like, when I was talking about we're all the body of Christ, we all have different, we have different relationships. We all work together as one, but we all do different things. You know, I never, you know, people are constantly, if you're believing in Jesus, uh, he's definitely working in your life and convicting you all the time about certain things that you do. And it doesn't happen overnight. It happens gradually. And, you know, you're just trying to get sanctified. You're never going to get there till it's over and done with. Yeah. But I'm very thankful, though, that sometimes I'm like, I can't sleep at night because I did something stupid, and God told me, what, you stupid idiot, mm-hmm. you know? And, well, I'm not going to do it then. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I like it. I'm, yeah. I'm glad I get convicted. Well, and because God loves his children, he wants what's best for us, and we need to follow him and trust him. But know this. If you're in a place in this life right now where you're like, man, my life's a mess. I chose to follow Jesus years ago. Trust me, he's not out to get you. He's not there to whack you. He's there to help you correct, to turn around and get going on the right path because he loves you. We've all experienced that in this room. Absolutely. And if you think he's working with you, he probably is. And he's not done with you. If he was done with you, you're already dead. So you got plenty of time. I wouldn't say you I don't know how much time you got. I'm just saying. You're not dead. He's still working with you. Hey, everybody, we all got questions about God. We got questions about the Bible. We got questions about Jesus. I know I do. God wants us to ask questions. He wants us to learn. Well, guess what? Now's your chance to ask those questions. Send an email to questions at talk, the letter N, 
truth.com that's at talk in truth.com and we're going to do our best to answer all of them during our special Q&A episode coming up February 19th and trust me it's going to be good if it's not good it's not my fault it's Brian's and Nats or whoever else is in here alright see y'all later get it done